Chapter ninety four of Thomas Wingfold, Curate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Thomas Wingfold, Curate by George MacDonald. Ninety four. What Helen Heard. Although satisfied that, after what Rachel had said to the men, there could be no impropriety in her making use of the privilege granted her, Helen felt oddly uncomfortable at first. But soon the fancy came that she was listening at the door of the other world to catch news of her Leopold, and that made her forget herself and put her at peace. For some time, however, the conversation was absolutely unintelligible to her she understood the words and phrases and even some of the sentences but she had no clue to their drift the effort to understand was like attempting to realize the span of a rainbow from a foot or two of it appearing now and then in different parts and vanishing again at once it was chiefly polworth often wingfold and now and then drew that spoke rachel contributing only an occasional word at length broke something of a dawn over the seeming chaos. The words from which the light that first reached Helen flowed were the drapers. "'I can't think, for all that,' he said, "'why, if there be life beyond the grave, and most sincerely I trust there is, I don't see why we should know so little about it. Confess now, Mr. Polworth, Mr. Wingfold,' he said appealingly, "'does it not seem strange that, if our dearest friends go on living somewhere else they should the moment they cease to breathe pass away from us utterly so utterly that from that moment neither hint nor trace nor sign of their existence ever reaches us nature the bible god himself says nothing about how they exist or where they are or why they are so silent cruelly silent if it be in their power to speak therefore they cannot and here we are left not only with aching hearts but wavering faith not knowing whither to turn to escape the stare of the awful blank that seems in the very intensity of its silence to shout in our ears that we are but dust and return to the dust the gatekeeper and curate interchanged a pleased look of surprise at the draper's eloquence but polworth instantly took up his answer I grant you it would be strange indeed if there were no good reason for it, he said. Then do you say, asked Wingfold, that until we see, discover, or devise some good reason for the darkness that overhangs it, we are at liberty to remain in doubt as to whether there be any life within the cloud? I would say so, answered Polworth, were it not that we have the story of Jesus, which, if we accept it, is surely enough to satisfy us both as to the thing itself and as to the existence of a good reason whether we have found one or not for the mystery that overshadows it still i presume we are not forbidden to seek such a reason said the curate the draper was glancing from one to the other with evident anxiety certainly not returned the gatekeeper for what else is our imagination given us but the discovery of good reasons that are or the invention of good reasons that may perhaps be can you then imagine any good reason said drew why we should be kept in such absolute ignorance of everything that befalls the parted spirit from the moment it quits its house with us i think i know one answered polworth 
I have sometimes fancied it might be because no true idea of their condition could possibly be grasped by those who remain in the tabernacle of the body that to know their state it is necessary that we also should be clothed in our new bodies which are to the old as a house to a tent i doubt if we have any words in which the new facts could be imparted to our knowledge the facts themselves being beyond the reach of any senses whereof we are now in actual possession i expect to find my new body provided with new i mean other senses beyond what i now possess many more may be required to bring us into relation with all the facts in himself which god may have shadowed forth in properties as we say of what we call matter the spaces all around us even those betwixt star and star may be the home of the multitudes of the heavenly host yet seemingly empty to all who have but our provision of senses but i do not care to dwell upon that kind of speculation it belongs to a lower region upon which i grudge to expend interest or the far loftier one invites me where if i gather not the special barley of which i am in search i am sure to come upon the finest of wheat well then for my reason there are a thousand individual events in the course of every man's life by which god takes a hold of him a thousand breaches by which he would and does enter little as the man may know it but there is one universal and unchanging grasp he keeps upon the race yet not as the race for the grasp is upon every solitary single individual that has a part in it that grasp is death in its mystery to whom can the man who is about to die in absolute loneliness and go he cannot tell whither flee for refuge from the doubts and fears that assail him but to the father of his being but said drew i cannot see what harm would come of letting us know a little as much at least as might serve to assure us that there was more of something on the other side just this returned polwarth that their fears allayed their hopes encouraged from any lower quarter men would as usual turn away from the fountain to the cistern of life from the ever fresh original creative love to that drawn off and shut in that there are thousands who would forget god if they could but be assured of such a tolerable state of things beyond the grave as even this wherein we now live is plainly to be anticipated from the fact that the doubts of so many in respect of religion concentrate themselves nowadays upon the question whether there is any life beyond the grave a question which although no doubt nearly associated with religion as what question worth asking is not does not immediately belong to religion at all satisfy such people if you can that they shall live and what have they gained a little comfort perhaps but a comfort not from the highest source and possibly gained too soon for their well-being does it bring them any nearer to god than they were before is he filling one cranny more of their hearts in consequence their assurance of immortality has not come from a knowledge of him and without him it is worse than worthless little indeed has been gained and that with the loss of much the word applies here which our lord in his parable puts into the mouth of abraham if they hear not moses and the prophets neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead he does not say they would not believe in a future state though one rose from the dead 
although most likely they would soon persuade themselves that the apparition after all was only an illusion but that they would not be persuaded to repent though one rose from the dead and without that what great matter whether they believed in a future state or not it would only be the worse for them if they did no mr drew i repeat it is not a belief in immortality that will deliver a man from the woes of humanity but faith in the god of life the father of lights the god of all consolation and comfort believing in him a man can leave his friends and there and his own immortality with everything else even his and their love and perfection with utter confidence in his hands until we have the life in us we shall never be at peace the living god dwelling in the heart he has made and glorifying it by inmost speech with himself that is life assurance and safety nothing less is or can be such End of chapter 94